All right, I pressed it and it is recording. Do you want to go ahead and read the thing? I'm going to go read the thing. Roland Morrill enjoyed his job, stressful as it could be. Being an air traffic controller was certainly never boring, he would say. The Long Beach ATC Tower was busy enough to keep everyone occupied, but not so frantic as, say, LAX. Planes would approach, be directed to their runway, planes would take off. A white phone on the wall, the one that was directly linked to LAX, rang, and Roland answered. We have a man in a... I guess it's a lawn chair? came the voice from the other end. We just had a TWA flight radio it in. The guy was at a height of 16,000 feet. He's descending and drifting your way. Roland grabbed his binoculars and scanned the skies. Sure enough, a bizarre contraption composed of weather balloons tethered to a lawn chair was moseying its way downward toward Long Beach. He was far enough outside of the airport's runways to not disrupt the operations, but instead looked like it was headed right for downtown. The facts that would eventually emerge about this strange flight revealed a story about a man who just wanted to fly. That was great. Thank you. Welcome to Relative Disasters, the show where my sister and I manage our existential dread by talking about terrible and interesting historical events, their context, implications, and any related sidebars we feel like discussing. I'm Greg, Relative Disasters lawn chair aerodynamics expert. And I'm his sister Ella, Relative Disaster University's distinguished professor of balloon aeronautics. <laughs> Thank you so much for that horrifying story, Greg. <laughs> it's not even that horrifying this time. It's, it's horrifying on a couple levels that we'll get into. Today we'll be taking a look at California truck driver Larry Walter's DIY cluster ballooning flight which is an uplifting tale of American engineering, sure. uh, can-do spirit, and a very lucky, narrow escape. Yeah. This is also known as the Lawn Chair Larry Flight. Yes. And before we begin, we just have a content warning for our beloved listeners. We will be mentioning, but not dwelling on, a suicide towards the end of this episode. Yes. Uh, Greg, I think we've all dreamed of flying, haven't we? <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, it's one of those things, you know, one of those classic quotes of ever since man has looked at the skies, he's always wanted to fly. And, well, Larry Walters really wanted to fly. He also had that dream. Yeah. Yes. He really, really loved flight, specifically balloon flight. Um, he was unable to become a pilot in the traditional way. Yeah, he tried to join the Air Force, but his eyesight was not good enough to be a pilot. Uh, which was a huge letdown for him. And as a nearly blind person myself, I feel his pain. On that. Yeah. There are a lot of things you just can't do with yeah. bad eyesight, even if you have contacts or glasses. You're just, you can't do and much. And this is pre-LASIK. So he was a cook in Vietnam. Yes. And then he decided to do something else. Larry is born in Hollywood, California in 1949. Yes. At the age of 13, he starts obsessing over flight, particularly balloon flight. There is a quote from him from an article from The New Yorker. When he was eight or nine, he was taken to Disneyland, and there was a lady holding up what seemed like a zillion Mickey Mouse balloons, and he wondered if he could get enough of those to lift him right off the floor. Oh, Larry. When he was 13, he saw weather balloons at an army navy surplus store yeah but that's like that's like a symptom he um yeah. he's also experimenting he with gas mixes he does all kinds of like reading about balloon flight yeah. and science projects he drives his mother crazy with like 
different kinds of yeah. gas mixes going through the house and balloons everywhere. And these are not like decorating balloons. These are no. weather balloons, which are seven feet in diameter. And apparently he made um, rocket fuel once. Yeah. And it did not go well for him when he was a teenager. So When he's a teenager, when he's a high schooler, <laughs> he does a big science project on ballooning and different balloon fuels it was hydrogen and balloons and he got a d on which it. i think really speaks to the nature of this story larry loves balloons he is obsessed with flying yep he's not super good at the mechanics of putting this together yeah well it's a lot of it's a lot of stuff that sounds good in theory but then you get to the practice of it and it it's kind of terrifying. Right. And we do get to that moment. Don't worry. <laughs> oh, God. So when he comes home from Vietnam, he becomes a truck driver and he kind of leads this very quiet, uneventful life. He lives in an apartment in North Hollywood uh, until March of 1982 when he suddenly decided this is the year. So he starts planning and preparing for a balloon flight. But he didn't have the space or budget for like a hot air balloon or a really ambitious like aircraft. Right. So he had something in mind that was like a little more DIY. Yeah. So he designed an aircraft called Inspiration One. Yes. Which is 45 weather balloons from an Army Navy surplus store tied to a lawn chair. A $100 aluminum lawn chair from Sears. Yes. The kind with plastic webbing on the seat in the back. Yeah, which they don't make those anymore. and uh... They don't. And I want to point out, this is not like a folding lawn chair. No. Like oh. that you would have on your back deck for 20 years. This is a good quality yeah. <laughs> Sears aluminum lawn chair built to last. When he goes on Letterman, he says that as he's picking out a lawn chair, he puts it through the Larry torture test, which I can only imagine is like beating it with a hammer and jumping up and down on the webbing. Sure. I mean, because you don't want to get up to like 10,000 feet and then have the webbing give way on you. That's going to ruin your whole day. No. And, you know, to be fair to... Sears and to the Larry torture test, that does not happen nope. in this story. No, the chair holds together very well. The lawn chair makes it through the flight in great shape. Uh, so the whole craft is basically a lawn chair suspended from three arrays of big silver weather balloons full of yes. helium. I want to point out there's no seatbelt. There is nothing that's holding nope. the pilot into the chair. Yeah. The chair is attached to the balloons, and that's it. And that's it. So although this sounds a little crazy, there is precedence for this kind of aircraft. Sure. <laughs> uh, Larry was probably inspired by an incident from September of 1937 when a news photographer was shooting a newsreel feature uh, that required a bird's eye view. He gets strapped into a harness attached to 27 weather balloons. He can't get high enough, so a friend, let's put friend in air quotes, adds five more. With the additional helium, the tether breaks, and the photographer is suddenly yanked 700 feet up into the sky and starts drifting away. Oh my gosh. His friends grab a car and chase him for an hour through the fog until they get close enough to shoot out some of the balloons, and he is able to descend safely into the field. Okay. He's in the air for like an hour and drifts 13 miles, and he's shooting newsreel the whole time. Oh, cool, <laughs> God bless. Yeah, right? The camera survives, the film survives. Uh, and the newsreel that he shoots becomes the sensation that Larry probably saw. And I want to say that's the inspiration behind Inspiration One, but who knows? Who knows? It could have just been a great idea. It might have also just been, yeah, I mean, let's put 45 weather balloons on this thing and send me up. See what happens. Well, I, I don't see. That's the thing. I, I don't think he was actually being very cavalier about it. He seems to have calculated the load of 
him, the chair, and his equipment against mm-hmm. the the lift of the helium in the balloons. He had a plan for ascent. He had a plan to descend. Mm. He had a parachute. He had a life jacket. Like, this wasn't dude gets drunk on his lawn, ties a bunch of balloons together, and goes flying. This was... He had a clear plan. He certainly did. But... (laughs) It just didn't work out the way that he imagined. No. And I think his idea was a good idea. I mean, I think he ultimately achieved what he wanted to achieve in some way. It was certainly a workable idea. (laughs) It's just that some things went wrong. (laughs) This show is called Relative Disasters, not Relative... Relative everything went fine. Yeah. (laughs) So Larry's design isn't very sophisticated, but it does fly. Um, So on July 2nd, 1982, he puts on a parachute and a life jacket. He makes himself some sandwiches. He packs up a camera, an altimeter, a CB radio, which is a very good call. Yes. Some Coca-Colas and a pellet gun. Yes. And he ties on some gallon jugs of water as ballast. And he fills up his 45 Army-Navy surplus balloons with $3,000 worth of helium. And while they're filling, he has the lawn chair tethered to his car. A 1962 Chevrolet Bonneville. Nice. So that's what's, that's what's tethering it down. And his plan is to get onto the chair from the roof of his girlfriend's house. Yeah, this is all taking place at actually his girlfriend's mother's house, and they don't tell her. <laughs> they don't tell her what's going on they until didn't tell her. <laughs> no. Wait, what? <laughs> they just like got all their friends together and started working in the early morning, and then when she woke up, it was kind of like, oh, well, <laughs> what can you do? Okay. <laughs> so his plan is to get aloft and float east. He wants to see the Mojave Desert from above. He wants to take in the views, have a sandwich, relax, and shoot out a couple of the balloons when he's ready to come down. Yep, with his pellet gun. Yes. Just to be clear. Then when he's safely on the ground, he's going to use the radio to call his friends to come get him. And, you know, I have to admit, that sounds like a really fun afternoon. It does sound pleasant, and it sounds peaceful. You know, it sounds I love like... that he thought of sandwiches. Exactly. He thought of sandwiches. One of the articles I, I came across uh, said that he brought some beef jerky with him and a roadmap oh. of California just so he could kind of keep track of where he was. Sure. It, it just sounds kind of... I mean, who doesn't want to just get away? You know, like, go up into the sky. There's nobody around. Nobody's going to gonna call you there's nothing you have to do you're just floating in the air i mean there's there is something that sounds really kind of nice about that it really does it really does unfortunately that's not what happens no. at all no instead instead he runs <laughs> he into two down. things he runs into wind and altitude right when he sits down in inspiration one a sudden gust of wind breaks his tether, and yep. he shoots way up, yep. much farther than he calculated. So he goes up He goes up 16,000 feet, which is just over three miles, yep. which puts him in the path of a northwest wind. And in temperatures of about five degrees Fahrenheit, he is pulled up so quickly that he loses his glasses, yes. which is my personal nightmare. Yeah. Once you're above 10,000 feet, you're supposed to be using oxygen at that height. Mm. So he starts suffering from some oxygen deprivation as well. I mean, he had planned to go up to about 10,000 feet. Right. But when the tether snapped, 
he was rising at a rate of 800 feet per minute. Holy goodness. Yeah, that's that's too many feet, guys. Um, <laughs> and the ballast, you know, was just water jugs hanging on the side, and it wasn't enough to really slow him down too much. Mm. So he was up in low oxygen, up in... <laughs> I mean, he's up way higher than he thought he was going to be. He starts running into crosswinds, there's speculation that perhaps some of his decision making was hampered by a lack of oxygen to the brain at that height. <laughs> and he's in the flight path of planes at that height. <laughs> right, because he has absolutely no control over where he's going. Exactly. Uh, the wind He can go just up. Takes he him. can't really go any <laughs> other direction. Yeah. No, he can't go up and he can't really go down either. No. He just goes where the wind wants him to go. Yep. And this wind is not in the mood to take him over the Mojave Desert. No. It wants to take him across the primary approach corridor of Los Angeles International Airport. Yeah. And if he misses the airplane traffic, maybe it wants to take him out over the freezing cold, shark-filled, very empty Pacific Ocean. That's that, that was the direction in which he was headed. So he starts taking out his pellet gun at this point. Yeah, this is kind of the moment where he realizes... <laughs> he realizes that this is kind of a bummer. Uh, <laughs> He's going to need to do some adjustment to his plans. Yep. He hadn't taken oxygen. He does have a pair of emergency glasses, though. He does have his backup glasses, which is genius. Which I love. Yes. That is the thing that I would need and forget. He kept a tape of the conversation between himself and his girlfriend, Carol, on their two-way radio. Mm -hmm. And as soon as she realizes that he's lost his glasses and that the wind is pulling him out towards the ocean she starts panicking she's screaming at him to come down and yes he says, it's all right it's all right and then he says i have another pair of glasses yep i've got this under control i've got my backup glasses and then he figures out he's gonna need to descend yeah and right now the best and safest way he has to get back on the ground is to shoot out some of his balloons with the pellet gun right he doesn't want to do that right away because he's just realized that since he's not attached to the chair, he's not attached to the balloons, and if he unbalances his cluster array, yeah. it could potentially dump him off the chair. Yeah, it, it would flip the chair and have him drop, you know, 16,000 feet. Now, he does have a parachute on. But it's a new parachute. Yeah. He hasn't tried it. No. And it's not something that, you know, you want to really test drive. <laughs> yeah. It's a last resort. Exactly. You don't want to use the parachute. So his first move is to pick up the CB radio and call in a mayday, which is picked up by a person on the ground. Uh, is this the React thing? Yeah, this is a citizen group called React that kind of keeps an eye out for emergencies. Right. So the operator for React says to Larry, what information do you wish me to tell them, that's air traffic control, right. at this time as to your location and your difficulty? And Larry <laughs> says, uh, the difficulty is, ah, I'm sorry, this is a direct direct quote. This is quote. the direct quote, exactly. <laughs> uh, the difficulty is, ah, this was an unauthorized balloon launch, and uh, I know I'm in a federal airspace, and uh, I'm sure my ground crew has alerted the proper authority, but just, uh, just call them and tell them I'm okay. End quote. End quote. So I have more of this conversation. The operator is trying to figure out which airport he took off from, and he gives them the street address of... Carol's mother's right. house. 
<laughs> and the person's like, wait, which airport? And he's like, um, okay. My and, airport. And then My airport. he sort of lets, lets it out that this is an unauthorized balloon launch. The ground control official comes in on another frequency asking about what color the balloons are. He fills them in on the color of the balloons. He fills them in on the size and how many there are. And mm-hmm. the official just can't really compute that this is a dude in a lawn chair with 35 balloons right now. So he leaves the conversation at, quote, just tell Carol that I love her and I'm doing fine. Over. <laughs> oh, Carol. <laughs> Carol is a trooper. Let's just say Carol that. Carol is a is trooper. a trooper. And uh, she is much calmer than I would be in this situation. By the time he, he contacts React, mm-hmm. he had been up there for almost an hour and a half. So he's also so close to the airport that he is spotted by two airline pilots on approach, one of whom radios air traffic control. <laughs> this is TWA 231, level at 16,000 feet. We have a man in a chair attached to balloons in our 10 o'clock position, range five miles. (laughs) Yep. Oh, God. I just, can you imagine being the air traffic controller in that situation? Like, the only response you have is, you have a what? (laughs) I'm sorry. So when he starts seeing airplanes, Larry decides he needs to pop some balloons. Yes. So he... He is able to pop seven of his 45 balloons before he drops his pellet gun, which, like Larry himself, is not tethered to the chair. Yeah, so losing the pellet gun is is a big blow here. It is, because he is now unable to... I was going to say he's unable to control his rate of descent, but he's really just not able to do that at any time, so let's just... Let's just say he starts descending very rapidly. He's not able to try to control his rate of descent at this point. Right. So he is able to drop out of restricted airspace, hopefully yes. a little slower than he went up. But he's still dropping too quickly. That's the thing. Yes. He starts coming down over a residential neighborhood in Long Beach. And his ground support, the friends and his girlfriend who are kind of watching, keeping an eye on him from the ground, they've already called 911. Yeah. So the police are watching for him. <laughs> They have just enough time. (laughs) As soon as he's low enough to predict where he's going to land, the police have the power company cut the electricity to the whole neighborhood. And Inspiration One drops into a set of high-voltage power lines where the balloons get tangled in wires and the $100 Sears aluminum lawn chair comes to a rest five feet off the ground. Someone brings him a stepladder and Larry hops down. Larry is completely uninjured i don't think i can emphasize this enough yeah larry is in great yeah, shape no he's he's 100 percent fine autographing he is high-fiving the yep. kids he gives away the chair yes he does uh, at this point i think we need to we need to take two seconds here to talk about um the person uh in whose you know back lawn he basically landed yeah give me a sidebar here's what winds up happening and i think it's important also to point out that the balloons got tangled in the power lines. Yes. The chair just missed them. Right. Like, that's the, like, oh my god moment. And the chair didn't fall into the ground. No. The chair, like, bungee corded to a gentle yeah. stop five feet off yeah, the I ground. Yeah, I mean, he didn't, he didn't even... Larry's guardian angel was working yep. overtime today. <laughs> so, he, uh, so he comes to a rest, you know, a few feet off the ground, and he realizes he's looking 
at a uh, a guy sitting in a lawn chair next to his swimming pool. I really hope it was the same lawn chair. Oh, that would have been nice, wouldn't it? Like just the same model. Like, oh <laughs> wait, you're the same that? lawn chair. <laughs> hey, I got one of them. I've got the deluxe model. <laughs> it flies. <laughs> it flies. So the guy gets up. <laughs> And gets out of his chair, and just the only thing he has to say is, do you need some help? And it turns out that he is an airline pilot on his day off. Well, do you ever really get a day off as an airline pilot? You don't, pilot? apparently, because you've got to help amateur pilots Not get out of their lawn chairs <laughs> while you're busy sitting in yours. Like, that's amazing. It is one of my favorite parts of the story. The other favorite part of the story that I have is that the fire department and LAPD officers are waiting for him there. Yeah. Uh, Larry is immediately handcuffed and put in a police car. <laughs> a reporter has just enough time to ask him, why did you do that? And Larry says, quote, a man can't just sit around. That's amazing. That's yeah. amazing. Oh, my God. That quote right there makes me feel very fond of Larry. Larry and I, we would get along, I think. I feel like we would get along with him. Guess who didn't get along with him? The FAA. <laughs> The FAA is not at all amused no. by this. And their spokesman is immediately quoted as yes. saying, this is my second favorite quote. This is quote. my favorite quote. I love this. <laughs> Would you like to say it? The quote, we know he broke some part of the Federal Ad Aviation Act. And as soon as we decide which part it is, some type of charge will be filed. <laughs> uh, do you have the last part of that quote? <laughs> I do. If, if he, he had, had a pilot's license, license we'd, we'd suspend, suspend that. But he but doesn't. He doesn't. <laughs> I love that so much. Oh, God. Oh. And, and the, but they do slap him. They do. With a $4,000 fine yes. for operating an aircraft without an airworthiness certificate. Creating a collision danger to other aircraft. Entering controlled airspace without staying in touch with air traffic control. And posing hazards to the life and property of others. Oh, boy. All of this gets reduced down. Yeah. Because they meet with Larry and they realize that basically oh. he's... He was very out of his depth, and he had some bad luck. And he it happens, and he had some amazing luck as well. Uh, <laughs> right, but blowing into the approach corridor. To yeah, LAX that, that is was not, not good luck. that wasn't on him. <laughs> they knock all of that down after meeting with him to a fifteen hundred dollar fine for the charge of not communicating with air traffic control. And part of the the reasoning behind it knocking that down is because they realize that a lawn chair does not require an airworthiness certificate. I mean, I like to imagine they rewrote some things after this. I incident. would hope so. I would love to get my hands on what whatever the current FAA you know requirement for airworthiness certificate is, um, because this is the thing. Larry may have been sort of the the godfather of this movement. But he is certainly not the last. Minor sidebar here. Yeah, go for it. Uh, this whole thing built into a an aeronautics hobby <laughs> called uh, cluster ballooning, where people <laughs> will get a ton of balloons filled with helium and attach some form of transportation to it and just take off and float away. Yeah, and um, as seen in the movie however, Up, this is always a magical adventure. Yes. Magical adventure. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. I do know that because I looked into cluster ballooning for a little bit, it is a uh, it is a big deal out in the Midwest mm. and in sort of on the West Coast where things are very flat and you can see for a very long ways yep. and where there aren't as many, you know, airplane traffic corridors. Mm -hmm. But you do need to file flight plans and you do need to have, there's like a huge list of what um, 
what you need to do in order to make this a legal adventure. Mm-hmm. But there are ways now to do it legally. He 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 really sort of broke new ground here. Oh, I like that. There was one thing that the FAA did get pretty upset with him about once all of this had blown over and they didn't find him for it or anything, but he did get a very strongly, you know, he got a talking to for it. Mm. It was dropping the pellet gun. But nobody ever found it. It didn't kill anyone. Nobody ever found it. Nope, it didn't. But at that height, uh, it absolutely would have killed somebody if it had hit them. Oh, God. Can you imagine? What a way to go. Right? I was standing there in my garden having a cup of coffee and a gun fell on me from the sky. A BB gun. Yeah. (laughs) Ooh. Yeah, maybe they were right to do that. You got to tie your gun on a string and you got to tie it to the aircraft. Yes. That should be the rule. (laughs) You can't drop a gun. No. He's I also mean, incredibly lucky that the chair didn't flip and he didn't hit live wires and he had people who wanted him to be successful in this, you know? He had had that extra pair of glasses. He had That's that what extra I would pair really glasses. fixate. The, oh my god. <laughs> I never have an extra pair of glasses. Larry is way ahead of me in that department. This is what I was talking about. Like he planned, you know, he planned very well. He just didn't tie did. himself or the gun down. Well, he planned for a camping trip. Yeah. I think we can't really we can't really always imagine what's going to happen to us in a different environment. Sure. He did plan for some things very effectively. Yeah. Some other things just, you it know, happened. Happened. <laughs> which is which is what adventures are all about. Yep. yep. All all plans uh, succeed until they make contact with reality. <laughs> so this story just captures the imagination yeah. of people across America. The story is huge and Larry definitely gets his 15 minutes of fame. Yep. He goes on The Tonight Show and Letterman. He calls Letterman the most fun I ever had. Uh You can tell from the interview that Larry is kind of, he's a little bit taken aback by the kind of attention and the laughter. It's maybe not quite what he was expecting. He comes across as just like a very sweet man who is just, you know, (laughs) maybe a little lost. Yeah, I get that impression too. I, I really got the impression that he was just... You know, we all have we all have those people in our lives who just really love this one thing. And if you get them talking about this one thing, you are going to hear about it forever. And if they get a chance to experience that one thing, it's it's, you know, a high point of their existence. And I feel like Mm. this was that for Larry. He did this as well as he could do this. Yeah. And he did succeed. He did. He got up there. He took a flight. He couldn't plan for everything, but I'm sure if he did it another time, like if he'd filed a flight plan and and done all the steps that the FAA wanted him to do and stayed in contact with ATC and all that stuff, I feel like his second flight would have been exactly what he wanted. You know, he would have known how Mm -hmm. to get up and down, you know, in the way that was better for, for steering or... You know, just making sure that these sort of things didn't... uh, Didn't go wrong. Yeah. Planning as best as he could for the things that went wrong. And... and Yeah. No, I think that's a great way to look at it. When you said he he sounded a little lost, Mm -hmm. I really feel like that's that's really accurate with him. Because he, um, he did seem lost afterwards. After He's not lost in the sense that he doesn't understand like what he did, Absolutely. why it's why it resonates with people right. or why people enjoy the story so much. He just doesn't seem to know what to do next with his life. Yeah. He does quit his truck driving job. He becomes a motivational speaker. Yep. He speaks to aviation clubs 
particularly. Oh gosh. I did find a thing that he he became a uh, a hiker. Yeah, well, he's always been a hiker. That's like okay. his his other passion. Number 2 behind balloon flight is uh hiking in the San Gabriel Mountains, which is yes. the range of mountains along Hollywood and uh Long Beach. Yeah. So he kind of uh he does one last kind of thing related to the balloon flight. He appears yeah. in a Timex ad, which I've seen. And yeah, it's it very is. striking. Uh, Larry is a very handsome middle-aged guy. He wears a watch very well. He has a great mustache. He does have an excellent mustache. That mustache is first ballot Hall of Fame mustache. Right yes. There. He's pretty much the perfect choice for a Timex. Takes a licking, keeps on ticking. It was a series of ads about adventurous people. And so, yeah, and he was in good company. Absolutely adventurous, yeah. So after this, he kind of, after that kind of, those opportunities kind of dry up, just kind of wanders around from job to job. He lives in the same North Hollywood apartment he's always had, and he lives there for the next eight or nine years. Does a lot of hiking, as we said. He volunteers as a ranger for the Forest Service, yep. and he just generally has this kind of quiet, uneventful life. He has a few friends. He's close to his mother and his sisters. He and Carol sort of drift apart. They uh, yeah. they remain friendly, but they drift apart. So after he and Carol break up, uh, Larry really struggles. He starts yeah. taking these long remote hikes. And in October of 1993, he completes suicide. He is 44 years old yeah. at the time. Uh, but shortly before he dies, he does an interview with George Plimpton for The New Yorker, which is published after his death. They're talking about flight, and yeah. George asks him, what was it like? So this is how Larry describes his flight 11 years later. Yeah. The higher I went, the more I could see, and it was awesome. Sitting in this little chair, and you know, look, wow, man, <laughs> unreal. I could see the orange funnels of the Queen Mary. I could see that big seaplane of Howard Hughes, the Spruce Goose with two commercial tugs alongside. Then higher up, the oil tanks of the naval station like little dots. Catalina Island in the distance. The sea was blue and opaque. I could look up the coast like forever. At one point, I caught sight of a little private plane below me. I could hear the buzz of its propeller, the only sound. I had this camera, but I didn't take any pictures. This was something personal. I wanted only the memory of it. That was vivid enough. So uh, he was interviewed by George Plimpton, and then not long after their meeting, Larry called him and asked him not to write the article. Mm. He said that the story was his, and that if it was published, it would. Um, he was concerned it would lower his chances of lecturing at aviation clubs, and he was already getting some of the mockery and laughing stock stuff. Mm -hmm the famous Darwin Awards mm -hmm. had given him a Survivor's Award Ouch. that year, which is just awful. And so George Pumpton complied. He did not publish the article. He did not publish it until 1998 out of respect for Larry, which I think is... Oh, that's interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah. It's nice. Yeah. It is a great article if you want it to really read is. some more about this story. They have in-depth interviews with Carol and... Larry's mother, and it it just goes into a lot of a lot more detail than we have yeah. time for here um, about who he was and and why he yeah. had this idea. 
Uh, so in the end, Inspiration One was acquired by the Smithsonian's National Air and Space Museum. So the kid that he gave the chair to in the street. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> That's right. He just gave the chair away to some kid, which is Right, awesome. and he always regretted it. Oh, um, oh no, I didn't know that. That's yeah, but the kid... The kid hung onto it and donated it to the Smithsonian's National Air and Space Museum. It is on display at the Stephen F. Odvar Hazy Center uh, after undergoing conservation last year. Oh. So you can actually go see it now. Nice. You can also still buy weather balloons at Army-Navy surplus stores. <laughs> but please don't buy them with this intent. <laughs> they are surprisingly affordable. <laughs> oh, God. I'm not going to buy a bunch of them, but... Uh, if you feel like that would be fun, go for it. Yeah, I, I, I would like to say that um, this entire flight, mm -hmm. the chair, the equipment, the helium, and the balloons, cost him approximately $4,000. Cost his girlfriend $4,000. She financed it? She picked up the check, yeah. Yeah, he talks about it oh, on no. Letterman. He says, my girlfriend really wanted to make this dream come true for me. and so I didn't did. know yeah. that. Carol's great. Oh, that's yeah. nice. So Carol, Carol is the real right, hero well, of this story. Carol, Carol seems like the real hero here. <laughs> she seems very nice. So as Greg said, cluster ballooning is a burgeoning extreme sport with all kinds of people doing it for all kinds of reasons. Let's see. The, the next closest one was a famous one in Stowe, Massachusetts in 1984. Mm. This guy did get fined $4,000 for violating FAA Well, stuff. it's post-Lawn Chair Larry, so he should have known better. It's true. Exactly. Research. No excuse. <laughs> oh, let's see. In Las Lunas, New Mexico, a pair of guys used used 400 helium balloons Jeez. to get to over 18,000 feet. Oh, no. No. Humans don't need to be up that high. I believe that they, they, they were up there trying to set a world record. They set it, and then they came back down. Were they okay? They were fine. Okay. Yep. A famous one in 2007... Uh, where a guy from Bend, Oregon, got in his lawn chair and landed over 240 miles away. Holy moly. The same thing? Cluster ballooning? Cluster ballooning. Yep. Oh. Uh, his ballast was plastic bags filled with water. Mm-hmm. Yuck. <laughs> so he landed 240 miles away, but still in Oregon, and his goal was to cross the border into Idaho. Oh, bummer. And so he did it again in 2008 and successfully did that. <laughs> yeah, so there's there's been a number of these, and uh, they are, uh, I guess, it's it's it seems like a good idea. Sure. Until it doesn't, you know? I feel like it's one of those those. You just don't want to drop your pellet gun. That's the only... Tie your pellet gun to the chair. Yeah, we don't even need <laughs> to do advice to for the time chair. travelers. We just need to do advice for, like, people who want to do this. Um, tie yourself to the balloons. Yes. Tie and yourself. And have a way to go up and down. Yep. Make sure that you notify, that you check the FAA regulations. Tell a friend. Notify who you're supposed to notify. Yep. Woof. Yeah. This yeah. Is, I think what this really speaks to is the desire that we all have to do something big and crazy. Yeah. Uh, most of us never get the chance to do that. Most of us, like, grow up, have a job, have a normal life, eh. and we never get the chance to do something completely off the wall. I think for all the flaws of this journey, you know, he really achieved what he set out to achieve, which was to have a really interesting afternoon. Yeah. Yeah. 
No, I think I think that I think the thing that speaks most to me about this is that achieving your dream is messy. It's not mm. this it's not this Hollywood montage of you go out, you work hard and the thing happens. It's you go out and you fail mm. and you fail over and over again until you get better at that thing that you keep failing at and you stop failing at that so you can fail at something else next. And that's like that's what achieving a dream is. You know, this guy he failed at minor things. Mm-hmm. He got lucky with major Super things. Super lucky. And like I said, I just I would have loved to have seen the flight of inspiration too. Mm-hmm. You know, like this was sort of I, I feel like this was a dry run. This was kind of ironing out the kinks. And if if Larry had been able to, you know, get another lawn chair from Sears and more weather balloons and enough people to go along with him and to check in with the FAA this time and get out there. I, th- I really feel like his second flight would have been would have been the thing he really wanted the first flight to be. Mm. You know, he could have floated out over the Mojave Desert and had a nice sandwich picnic at you know ten thousand <laughs> feet. See, I don't think he needs that. I think that quote that I read, where he's talking about being high up, yeah, looking at the coast, looking down at the boats, yeah seeing a little plane. I feel like that's it for him. Like that's what he wanted to do and he did it. Yeah. Maybe he didn't need inspiration too. Yeah. Maybe inspiration one was just, just enough. Fair enough. I don't know. I don't either. I just, I, by the end of this, the research for this story, I was really fond of Larry and. <laughs> yeah, I am too. I, you know, a lot of times I don't come down on the, uh, you know, when we do, when we do these relative disasters that are focused mostly on people, Mm-hmm. It, it can be kind of hard to like the people. I like Larry. But I like Larry. Yeah. Yeah, he's a likable guy. He seems I can relate to him. <laughs> I can relate to this guy. Exactly. Uh, I do still wonder what kind of sandwiches he had on his flight. I couldn't find anything about the sandwiches. Could you? He definitely had them, but peanut butter and jelly, ham, egg salad. I'll tell you this. I'm not bringing egg salad <laughs> with me, you know, <laughs> 10,000 feet up in the air. That That's just too messy too messy if, yeah if something you know goes wrong you don't want to have egg salad all over yourself mm, same for peanut butter really it's sticky Who knows what mayonnaise does at that height oh it would probably be fine it's nice and cold uh, i don't know man god you, you <laughs> this is why I guess I'm just not adventurous enough <laughs> this is why you have never cluster ballooned <laughs> <laughs> this is why yes oh this beloved is listeners <laughs> Those sandwiches were tuna fish. Although we gave you slightly exaggerated credentials at the top of this show, we do fact check our stories in an effort to give you the best disaster experience possible. If you'd like to read more about our sources, a complete bibliography is available in our show notes. If you got anything wrong, please let us know. You can do that by email to relative.disaster at gmail.com, or if you'd like to shame us publicly, why not use our Instagram at relative.disasters. Thank you so much for joining us for this episode of Relative Disasters. We hope you've enjoyed the story and the discussion. And please join us next time for another strange, dangerous, and interesting event from history. My brother has selected our next disaster. What's it going to be, Greg? Well, we are going to break the show format for the first time. Oh, no. An anti-disaster. Yes! This is a case where, against all odds, everything went right when it shouldn't have. Next time, we are going to cover the amazing, non-disastrous life 
of Timothy Dexter. I have not heard of this guy. (laughs) Am I in for a treat? (laughs) Oh, yes. This story is amazing. It's like the anti-Gregor McGregor. (laughs) Excellent. I cannot wait to hear. 